Welcome to Constructing Mindsets, discussing the building blocks of our mental health. In the last three months, we've seen a momentous behavioural shift in our home and working lives through the impact of COVID-19. We've had to adapt to new ways of working, collaborating and socialising, as well as learning how to cope with uncertainty. Today, we're going to discuss how we go from pandemic to the new normal and what the new normal is and what also this means for us as individuals and our industry in construction. So today, I'd like to welcome Martin Coyd, who's a volunteer with Building Mental Health, and Sophie Jacks, a graduate at Atkins and also new to the Constructing Mindsets team. So welcome both of you. And I'm first going to go to Martin. So Martin, welcome today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Tell us a bit about your background, sort of your interest in mental health and sort of what brings you here today. Well, I'm, I'm a white middle-aged male uh, who has a, a deep love of the, the construction, and, construction and built environment sector. Um, I left school at 16 and began working for a tunnelling company, 18 years Royal Engineers and then 20 years uh, working in the construction industry and had the privilege of working with three uh, fantastic organisations in Skanska, uh, Lendlease and Mace. Uh, over the, over those past 20 years, and uh, had the privilege of working on some of the you know highest profile and uh, technically challenging construction projects. I you know, have a, a joy that every morning I sort of wake up and can do something with an industry that touches all of us uh, every day. I've been a health and safety uh, leader all of that time, and about 10 years ago, um, I became acutely aware of. Um, suicide actually following the suicide of a rugby league player and the surprising thing was how many other rugby league players stepped forward and said that they were really struggling with their mental health and well-being and had considered something similar i became uh, trained up in in, in mental health first aid and and i was beginning to recognize that the construction sector is very similar to sports and it's about delivery we solve problems and we deliver our projects, whatever they may be. Um, and, and you are judged and measured in that way. And that gives significant uh, risk uh, to, to people. We now recognise that the, the construction sector is the highest risk of all employment uh, with regard to suicide uh, and, and crisis with mental health. Back that, to you. That's a very interesting stat. And I think I'm not... Not all people know that, and especially those people in construction. So that's exactly why we're here today, to to talk about those sort of issues and and hopefully raise awareness of what's going on within the industry. So it's great to hear what you're doing in that space. Um, Welcome also, Sophie. Um, Sophie, do you want to give us a little quick intro in kind of what you're currently up to and what brings you here? Yeah, thank you, Hannah, for the introduction. Um, So a bit of background about me. I'm originally from Mauritius. I moved to the UK for university where I went to Loughborough Uni. I then joined Atkins as a graduate structural engineer about a year ago now. Um, And since then I was was put on furlough in April. Um, And to be honest, furlough has actually been quite good for me. I've I've really made an effort to keep progressing with my career whilst on furlough, um, trying to just um, trying to just get involved in as many things as I can. 
and constructing mindsets was one of these things. Um, so it's been about a month now that I've joined constructing mindsets. Um, you guys brought me in to support the team with the podcasts and ultimately I, I want to join the movement to remove the stigma around mental health. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here and to see what more we can do. Great. Thanks, Sophie. And it's a pleasure to have you as part of the team now and very exciting. So we've got some great guests today and Louise is also joining us. And I think the first topic we're going to talk about sort of coming out of this pandemic and how it's changed our behaviour and also the way of our working lives is home working. So we've all had very different experiences of home working, whether we've got really poor setup for our kind of physical health, so we're not getting the right uh, seating, the right screens, or even the right break from our desks that we should be getting or would be getting if we were in the office when we're seeing people. Also, if you're a parent, you know, you might have to be teaching your kids at home, which is another added stress and makes homeworking very difficult. So we've all experienced this in different ways. And I'd really like to hear from you what you found most difficult about homeworking or actually what you found beneficial as well. Yeah, so I guess for me, I'm in a very fortunate position that I have enough space in my house. I'm not caring for someone. Uh, I have a desk for starters. I'm not cramped on a dining room table. So kind of my experience of homeworking is very positive. Um, but through all the mental health stuff I do, across Atkins and wider afield. Like you say, there's so many different stories and depending on what your home setup is, it very much depends on how it's working for you. So I think something I'd like to bring forward is that whoever's listening to this, whatever your home setup is, there's probably someone else in the same position as you, but someone else may be struggling. So if you're like me and you're having a great positive experience, I guess we just really need to be aware of those that aren't. Um, And one of the best kind of analogies I've seen is someone who said they're balancing three hats so they put on the hat at the start of the day because their mum um they get up and they do breakfast and they get their kids ready and they get them out of bed and get the house set up and then they switch their hat and they put on their engineering hat and they do some work for a couple of hours and then they take that hat off and they put another hat on and they're a teacher for a couple of hours and then they're continually juggling those hats and they never get a break um so there's so many different situations throughout all of this and looking forwards we need to kind of understand each other's setups to know how to move forwards. So um, I'm quite lucky in my team, we have quite a good understanding that of who's teaching and who's not teaching um, and when people will be available. But I think it's something that we really need to kind of consider as an industry that homeworking, sure, you're not commuting and it's great and it's wonderful that you can be at home, but actually that's not the case for a lot of people, um, especially in kind of consultancy side. So from the mental health perspective, it could be really beneficial, but it could also have the downside. And and that's something that I think we need to really open the conversation on. Yeah, definitely. Martin, from your perspective, homeworking, you know, it's very difficult for some people to adjust to homeworking. It's easy for others. What have you seen over the last few months in terms of homeworking and sort of companies adjusting to that? Well, one thing I've learned, I, I trained as a mental health first aider and, uh, uh, and it's just that, it's, it's first aid. Um, so I'm, I can't diagnose or treat uh, men- mental illness with it, but I interact with and talk with people a lot. And the only thing I know for certain is that we're all absolutely unique, and what works for one person doesn't work for another person. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty at this moment in time. When it when it first struck, there was a sort of disbelief thing. 
and then there's the emotional side of things and I know that people who have been going into cities to work have been challenged you know why are you traveling and you know there was a lot of debate around whether um, construction was essential and, and, and key workers um, and there's been it's been really really hard to define exactly what everybody has meant by this so you know you know with regards to frontline practicalities the sites have changed dramatically um, there's a lot of um, physical distancing of people to make sure we're uh, working with the government guidelines and, and, and one-way systems and, and shifts have be, began to be introduced and building sites are now being open for much longer periods councils have relaxed rules around uh, their specific uh, notices where people are able to work seven days and longer hours to just just to keep it going so there's this sort of strange thing going on of you know do we stay safe do we keep working there's been a lot of anxiety about uh, PPE and, and diverting incredibly important um, face masks etc away from the National Health Service in our care sector to construction workers is extremely sensitive, which is why there was such a delay uh, before this face covering thing came in. Um, so that's for, that's for people on site. Lots and lots of uncertainty, a desire to do the right thing and solve problems as we always do, uh, and then a, um, a desire to to keep going because it because it's critical and that momentum thing is really really important. And I believe that a lot of organisations are rethinking do we need giant head offices uh, with hundreds if not thousands of people in them it's going to be a really interesting time another factor in this is that there's, I think there's 8 million people been furloughed and I would think that a significant number of those working in the construction sector so there's a lot of uncertainty there as well yeah absolutely and you make a really interesting point about office space and the future of the office is going to probably be incredibly different to what it was. And you've got the use for offices being more focused on going to collaborate for a specific reason with a group of people rather than just to go to do your work, because you can do that at home. Um, so we see these much more specific uses of office space. And also the default will be you work from home unless you need to go into the office for those reasons, rather than the, the previous default was sort of you go into the office and you only work from home if you need to for these reasons. So it'd be quite interesting to see how companies use their office space differently and also whether we see the rise of hubs of offices in, in more kind of regional areas rather than one big HQ that you mentioned. There's lots of people are trying to understand what the trend will look like and only time will tell, but lots of changes afoot. And then... You mentioned furlough, and we'll come on, come on to that in a bit, um, which we'll talk to Sophie about, because that's been very interesting and, and a new thing that everyone's experienced through COVID. But just going back to office space, returning to the office, a couple of offices have opened up now that, that I know of in the industry, and they've, they've gone, people have gone back to the office, albeit you've got to book a desk, you rotate in teams who goes in and out, and you can sort of only go if you can get there with easy access and not have to go necessarily on lots of different public transport routes. How do people feel about returning to the office? Do you kind of feel a bit, a bit nervous? Do you feel that you want to go back? I think there's quite a lot of mixed feelings about this. Um, Louise, what do you think? So for me personally, I'd like to go back part-time. Um, 
I do miss that kind of human interaction you get in the office and the ability to exchange ideas and seek help. Um, I'm only a few years into my career, so the ability to seek help from others is something I've probably missed the most from being at home. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to go back full time. I've kind of got used to the routine at home. But I, I know there's a lot of fear around kind of like the cleanliness aspect. Mm-hmm. A lot of our offices are hot desking. And how do you manage that if there's kind of like people using different desks? Are we going to step away from hot desking, which was obviously the new thing coming in? Um, and I, I know there's both anxiety about returning to the office because of the cleanliness side of things and how will it work. And I don't really want to go there because... I'm safe in my home, in my bubble, but also the anxiety of, well, if I can't go back to the office, my situation at home is not working for me. Um, So that uncertainty is is really there. And I think with what Martin said about sites being allowed to open longer, to get the rotation of people through the office, I think there will be some concerns that hours might slip and the work-life balance might change. Um, And some people will say that being at home, they don't have a work-life balance, but I think these are all pressures on mental health that companies need to consider and I'm quite fortunate to have been in part of some of the conversations within Atkins and they are considering well-being quite high up the agenda um, just because everyone's in such a different situation some are desperate to be in the office and some aren't personally I'm happy staying at home for a bit longer but like I say I have quite a good setup here so it could be very different for other people yeah absolutely and I think it's so personal to each individual that companies really have to consider the absolute huge difference in people's opinions and what they want to do across their business. They can't really have a blanket policy necessarily to deal with different people's anxieties and or wanting to return to the office because, you know, I'm the same as you. I'd love to go back and I feed off my team members and they motivate me. But also I do want to retain some home working because I find it great balance to my life. And also I am productive when I'm at home. But the office space is important for a lot of people to be able to access and use and it's Martin, do you have any, from, especially from your mental health first aider kind of hat, that returning to the office anxiety, you know, we haven't been in large group environments with work colleagues for a very long time now. Do you see there being, you know, a rise in people feeling anxious about being back into the office and back into sort of career focused interactions? Without wanting to sound sort of over dramatic, I. I, I believe and, and probably hope that the world we knew it has gone uh, and, and will be will be in a new place. And I think it's that new place which will cause the anxiety as much as anything else. And we, we're going to find new ways of working. So uh, Louise said, you know, I, I like the sort of change I've had. I'd like to go into the office past the time, but, you know, and there's an opportunity for change. And I think there's a lot of thought going on now um, at, you know, people will be saying, can we save save on costs by reducing the amount of office space we've got? You know, in central London, it will cost tens of thousands per desk per year. Mm. Um, and organisations have seen that we're able to maintain momentum and, and able to operate without all congregating. There's, you know, there's, I, I read the other day or I saw the other day that uh, UV radiation is higher because there's less pollution. You sort of think, oh, wow. Um, and there's less pollution because fewer people are travelling, and etc., etc. Et so I think the anxiety is, yes, in the workplace, and I think we can do a lot to sort of assist with that by having clarity and clear information that knows what's expected, um, 
and have got the right way of working to, to reduce the risk. The anxiety will also be there, you know, all over the, the media this weekend was there's a second spike coming. Yeah. Um, you know, the anticipation of the National Health Service is preparing for another spike. So, you know, going into the workplace, does that make people vulnerable? Probably. Uh, and that will, will play into that anxiety. So we're into, uh, you know, unprecedented times. And uh, I think there's some more twists and turns to come yet mm. over the next six, 12, 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've touched on a kind of a good point there about the anxiety. I mean, for me especially, and, and I think for a lot of people, what resonates is it's driven by that uncertainty because we don't really you know that second spike, when is it going to come? What does it mean? How big it's going to be? We don't actually know the answer to these things and we can't even pr- really predict them that well. And in six months time, we won't necessarily know any better. And the same with 12 months. And it's about trying to understand that, yes, it, these are very uncertain times, but we can learn to deal with that in ourselves and the way that we approach kind of our day-to-day lives. Um, that's for one, for me, been the thing that's maybe been a bit more of a struggle. So moving on to being furloughed, furlough is something that we only really saw because of COVID. Um, before March, if you'd said, what are you going to be put on furlough? People would be like, what on earth is that? What does that mean? And now we see swathes of people within the industry who have been furloughed and have been maintained their employment by a company, but have said, you're not actually going to work for us for the time being. But when that work picks up, you will come back. I think it's affected a lot of people differently. So Sophie, furlough for you, um, what has it meant and how, you know, how have you dealt with it and how have you kind of got through it? So for me, um, initially when I was put on furlough, it was a bit of a shock. Um, even though I was expecting it to happen, like my project that I had been working on had been put on hold as well as many other projects in the company. Um, but still it was... It was a bit of a shock to, to the ego, I guess. Um, it's that, oh, the company is better off without me than with me. Mm. Um, but that didn't last too long, luckily. <laughs> Once I got past that, the furlough um, had so many positives. It really gave me the time to just catch up on that never-ending to-do list of things that you don't really need to do. Um, so you just always push aside. Um, But it's also just given me a bit of space to breathe. Um, So, but to me, the the hardest part was not knowing when the end of my furlough is. And that's, as you guys have mentioned, the the uncertainty of this whole time. It's just one more uncertain part of it. Um, Because, I mean, the government guidelines say that you can be sent back to work tomorrow. They don't have to give any kind of notice Um, Atkins have been nice enough to say that they'll give us, try and give us two weeks notice, but that's not the case for everyone. Um, so when you, when you think about it, that's, that's a total of seven months of furlough. If you're on furlough until end of October, that whole time, not knowing if you're back into the company, um, in the next week or so. Um, so trying to plan my life around these unknown timescales has been quite hard. Um, one side of me is always saying, you know, catch up on your chartership, do all your life admin stuff, do it quickly now, you've got time for it. And then the other side of me is just saying this is an opportunity of a lifetime to do nothing, to just relax, um, chill out and have a holiday. 
Um, but then if ever I did have a day or a week of actually relaxing, it would come with a guilt of, oh, what if I'm pulled off furlough and I haven't finished that to-do list? Um, so I guess it's that anxiety that future me won't be able to cope with a full-time job as well as the daily routine that I've currently got. Um, so I guess just a, a message to, to anyone out there who is working with people who are coming back from furlough is to be maybe just be mindful that they aren't necessarily prepared, mentally prepared to come back, mm -hmm. that they haven't necessarily been given much warning. Um, but also to the people who are currently on furlough going back to work, all of these hobbies and activities that we've taken up to fill our days, um, it's okay to, to let go of some of those when you do get back to work. Because realistically, asking yourself to, to do your whole furlough routine as well as a full-time job might just be a bit too much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some really great points there, Sophie. I like the one you raised about when you first got told it's, you know, it's this ego hit. And I think lots of people felt that because it, it's this case of, well, why me? You know, I've, I've been working so hard and I, I feel like I'm doing really well. Um, and for a lot of people, it, it's, it was nothing personal. You'll, you'll put on furlough because of the situation of the business. And it's a situation at that time, which then meant that you had to go on furlough. And it, that must have been really hard to deal with and, and adjust in your mindset to be like, actually, it's, it's not to do with me and, and the way I am and what I contribute to the business. It's actually to do with the unprecedented situation that we find ourselves in. Um, and then also your point on that really quick transition back into the workplace when it does come is so sudden and it's really difficult to adjust to. Just like it took you time to adjust to being on furlough, it'll take the same amount of time, maybe less, maybe more, to get back into the routine of work. And, you know, you might go on a completely brand new project and that in itself is an added stress. So, yeah, there's some really interesting things that you brought up there that a lot of employers need to be you know, very aware of. Louise, what are your thoughts on furlough and what companies can do maybe to support those coming back off furlough? So I think a big thing, first to focus on the ones that are still on furlough, is that keeping in touch is so important. Sophie seems to have been doing loads of activities to keep busy, but some people won't have had the motivation to do that. They won't have got things to do. They might not have the life admin. They might have been one of these really organised people that's on top of everything at the start of furlough. Um, so keeping in touch during the period is still really important, and especially if this is continuing to October, because I know a lot of people I know were told to start, it was to the end of May, and then it's gone to the end of June, and now it's, oh, it could be October, and actually you're going to continually ride the wave that we talked about in our first COVID-19 episode, because every time it, it will be a shock to the system. You think you're going back at the end of the month, and then they extend it, and it's like, well, what do I do for another month? Um, but also the uncertainty, like Sophie says, like you could come back on a day's notice. and That's massive readjustment for anyone to get used to, let alone having not had to do much for three months to then be full-time working. Um, so I think Sophie raised some really important points about how companies need to be aware of that. It's like bringing in a grad to kind of fresher in uni. They've had such a break, it's equivalent to a university summer holiday. So you wouldn't expect them to go back to full efficiency on day one of coming back. It's like rejoining. Um, we've had it likened in some of the conversations I've been in to coming back off maternity leave. You've had a year out doing something completely different. Getting back in, you're not going to come back in 
swinging the like the day you left it is going to be completely different so i guess companies just need to be aware that it's been a stressful situation for those not working as well as those working so we should be really aware of that yeah absolutely um martin do you have anything to add about furlough and the impact that you've seen uh, it, it is remarkable. I, I, I think we're the only country in the world that's done something on this scale. Mm. Um, and um, my, both of my sons work in the construction sector um, and they were both furloughed and, and responded in very different ways. One got himself extremely fit. The other one played lots of video games. So, so going back to a theme here, we're all unique and um, we, you know, we do things differently. Um, I think the maternity leave um, example is, is a great example. And again, there's a bit of anxiety coming back in of the, the team and the office and the, the site and the project you left will be different to the, to the one people come back to. And it will take some adjustment. And I, just use, I love the use of the word mindful, uh, of being mindful of, of, of what it's like to be the person who's returning to that workplace. So... Um, the risk is very high for, for the whole of the sector um, and we really need to be there and support one another. Yeah, that's really um, kind of powerful statement there and I think it's really important. So lots of things that our listeners can take away to think about that maybe they haven't before, especially those that haven't been on furlough and kind of wondering what it feels like and what we can do about it. I think that's really important. Um, so... From furlough now onto something maybe a bit more uncertain going forward, what's going to happen with regards to companies potentially restructuring? Um, will they, won't they? Redundancies, it, this is a very difficult topic to talk about at the moment. And, you know, some people have already gone through that process. It's a very volatile economic time. Um, some of that volatility is, is well, most of it is, is yet to come. Um, so, Martin, what's your experience of boom and bust in the construction industry kind of over your working life? And, and how have you seen this transpire both positively and negatively on people's careers? Because I think we've also got to say here that even though, you know, redundancies you know, a really horrible thing, sometimes people can pivot into a completely new and great role for themselves and career, something they wouldn't have thought of previously. Um, but what, yeah, what's your experience of the boom and bust and volatility of the construction market? Well, it's always been there. Um, I, I remember vividly the early 90s, there was a recession then, Black Monday, I remember. Um, and then there was the time of boom in the noughties with the, you know, the, the massive investment of PFI uh, money. Um, and then there was the global financial crisis in 2008. Uh, and we are a remarkably resilient uh, industry. Uh, so, at, you know, sort of macro level, we'll be okay. Um, but I also believe that, and this was similar to uh, the theme we were talking about earlier about the office and working at home, every organisation will have looked at itself, uh, looked at its structure, um, will have had some revelations about what they do and don't need. And unfortunately, I think some will take the opportunity to streamline, uh, which will impact on people. And some of that's been announced now. Some of the big contractors are already uh, breaking the news about um, re restructure, which inevitably means redundancy. But I think the people who work in our sector are also resilient uh, and are prepared to move. Uh, it, it, it's the nature of the beast. You know, you don't join a, 
the, the built environment sector if you want to go to the same workplace for the next 40 years it, like everything that there, there will be time there will be a time of opportunity for people um, and if companies can handle it sensitively uh, we have a chance I'm quite interested in the politics of it because British Airways has, has, has furloughed a load of people and, and what's really interesting is furloughs the nickname the scheme is actually called the job retention scheme and, and, and the reason uh, governments have given money people is to keep people in work um, and I think there may be it may be difficult to have taken you know well it's billions the amount that's been invested into this job retention scheme but if, if organizations have taken tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of government money to retain people in their jobs, I think it'll be very difficult to make massive uh, redundancies um, yeah, without some form of, of challenge coming back um, from government. I think that's a very good point because there's been so much government support through the job retention scheme, as you mentioned, and also the gradual wind down of that should help companies adapt and think how they can now kind of refocus going forward and give them time to be able to hopefully get back those people that were on furlough into jobs that the company sees as going forward being a growth area. Louise, on, on this kind of element of boom and bust, how do you see this impacting upon mental health at work? I know you're also a mental health first aider, so people will have anxiety and uncertainty about this and just wondering what your advice would be maybe to, to support others through it. So I think there's three groups of people and there's probably more than that uh, when it comes to redundancy. Uh, you've got the people that are unfortunately put on consultation, uh, which is a highly stressful situation because you may still have a job or you may not and it's bringing back in that uncertainty again. You also have the people delivering the news and I don't think we ever really focus on that and it's something Paul Sheffield talked about on one of our previous episodes, that it's horrible. Like You, you don't want to make these decisions and you never want to tell someone they're out of, out of work. But I think we should be mindful of the ones that have to deliver the news as well. Um, quite often it's middle management and it's top level that have made the decision, but middle level have to deliver that, that bad news. Um, and I think the third group of the survivor's guilt group, um, the ones that haven't been put up for consultation, might also have the stress of, well, if we're losing staff, but we've still got this huge amount of work, who's going to be delivering that? And the fear of increased hours to be able to deliver on time, because like Martin said, we're still an industry that's kind of measured on delivery so it's it's really difficult to pinpoint specific guidance for all three groups because everything will be different but I guess for those on consultation it'll be looking for the opportunity it will be are other companies hiring um are there other opportunities internally where there's a vacancy that you can take or is there an area of skill that you'd like to develop and you've never had time to do is it a chance for that career change you've always wanted um for the ones delivering the news i guess the guidance is to not blame yourself and it, that's really hard to do but if a business is in a bad way and you've been asked to deliver that news that's not your fault um and just seek support from your maybe outside of work networks to support you on that and be open that it can be difficult. Uh, I can't imagine how horrible it is to tell someone that news. And then for the survivor's guilt group, it's it's horrible to feel like you're a survivor and you're trying to support others when you also feel guilty and you sometimes think, why me? But ultimately, you're not the one going through it. And that's not to downplay your stresses by 
any stretch of the imagination but I guess we've just got to be mindful of those that are going through the process that I imagine that's 10 times worse because of the uncertainty but obviously you still have the uncertainty of what's going to happen next and is there going to be another round so reach out to support networks outside of work and also if you have any availability to mental health first aiders or employee assistance programs use them that's what they're there for um and the mind website has a great page on redundancy at the moment um so that's always there as well great thanks louise that's really useful and not to dwell on the negatives i know we've spoken a lot about you know how we're dealing with anxiety and stress and you know furlough and redundancy but there are positive things that have come out of this um, and I think we should also touch upon those and talk about them. I know for me, it's been really great that a lot more people have been talking about the importance of our well-being and companies have been specifically looking out for that with their employees working from home and understanding how best to create the best home working environment and also just drive collaboration within teams. So that's been really great. And hopefully we'll see a lot more of that coming through. Um, Martin, what have you seen as a positive that's coming out of this that you'd like to see being kind of driven forward a lot more? Um, I've seen a lot of collaboration, particularly at the top. Um, The Construction Leadership Council has emerged as the de facto voice uh, of the industry, and that works very closely. In fact, it's co-chaired by uh, the Minister of State um, and uh, and Andy Mitchell from uh, Thames Tideway. Uh, And I've had several... Um, colleagues and acquaintances who have been part of that and there's been a real um, drive to work together and I think the roadmap they've produced um, to um, come back to work is a great opportunity for uh, improvement and, and positive change that wouldn't have been there had we not been in the middle of a global pandemic so you know we've got an opportunity to reset it's restart reset reinvent you know reinvent the industry where we work together much closer and collaborate with supply chain and partners um, and there's more investment in uh, education for people we can think more about uh, modular we can think more about um, clean energy you know, I could keep going on about all these positive things, but I don't yeah. think that opportunity would have come around, uh, certainly with the focus we can give it now. Um, so, so so that's a real positive. Uh, a personal positive, um, I, I've got closer to my family. Um, it's not that we didn't get on or anything, but with the, the things that are important have become suddenly really, really clear. Uh, what's important and and flogging yourself 15 hours a day um, traveling all over the place seems less important than what it did now and I think a lot of people will think that way and um, the uh, I saw a read a newspaper this morning like 6% of people want the economy of the UK to return to what it was so we've got this great um, you, you know there's been a time of of grief and tragedy uh we've talked about anxiety and uncertainty but you know there's always an opportunity out of these times um to think a bit differently uh, and, and refocus what our strategies are so for me it's the whole of the built environment sectors working together uh and 
building on this legacy of being a great industry. Yeah, I could not agree more on that. I think hopefully this comes at a point where we really reconsider how we work as an industry, how we work together, what we're building. Um, And as you mentioned, in relation to things such as climate change and even through the supply chain, modular construction, how we can really accelerate those things forward, which they've been growing and there's been a lot of support behind them. But maybe this is the step change that we need. And hopefully we'll see a lot more of these things sort of start to get developed even more quickly. So I feel positive about that side of things. And I also agree with you in terms of it really makes you realise what's important in your life, what should be a priority. And I definitely think that will stay for a lot of people. Um, people have just realised the importance of being at home, spending time with their families, not needing to actually go out and do things specifically. A walk, a cycle is great. You don't need to necessarily go anywhere in particular, um, which is which is also great. We've appreciated the small things in life. Louise, what what positive things are you taking out of this personally, but also maybe for the industry? What are your thoughts? So I guess for the industry, as well as being part of the Constructive Mindsets team, I'm also a future leader for the ICE at the moment. And I've been part of some of the conversations that are happening about kind of where are we going in the future. And one of the big things that's come out of it is the drive for net carbon zero and how actually it's it's taken a global pandemic to take the massive leap forward we've needed in comparison to where we were before and getting people on board of the digital agenda. It's taken a global pandemic to take us those big strides forwards and we've potentially accelerated that area much quicker than we would have done otherwise so there's some real benefits for the industry it's looking at things like yes okay we may not be building office blocks because people don't want them anymore but we may be looking at increasing digital connectivity rather than physical connectivity so there's some real positives and the industry might take a bit of a turn to get there but there's certainly opportunities and one of the phrases coming out of those conversations is never waste a good crisis and I think that certainly applies Martin mentioned there's so much opportunity and there definitely is for the industry even if it is in a slightly different direction to where we were going before personally I have to mirror your thoughts Hannah Um, the amount of discussion around mental health has grown so much it's incredible i've been part of so many different conversations about mental health from business leads network leads institutions everything everyone wants to know what can we do to support people's mental health and this is quite often from people who before the pandemic didn't really get that mental health was a thing there are still quite a lot of people in our industry that up until march didn't really get why we were talking about this and i've seen such a huge shift in people going oh now i get what you're talking about and what can we do about it as much as it's taken something horrible like a pandemic to make it happen, we've taken such a massive jump forwards and that's fantastic. So I seem to spend most of my time talking about mental health now, but if people are more aware of what it feels like and what we can do to recover from it, then hopefully we can build back an industry that doesn't have the awful statistics that Martin talked about at the start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of similar trends coming through in what we're discussing, which is really great to see because I think a lot of us are thinking the same way about you know how we the positives we're taking from this and how we're going to implement them going forward. Um, Sophie, what about you? What what have been the positives? Or bit you know you're in furlough. The positives for you and has it changed your outlook at all? Yeah, so I agree with what um, all of you have been saying is that we're just talking about mental health so much more. Um, and from a personal perspective, when I when I call my friends now. 
normally we'd just be catching up on, you know, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, and unless you're having a major breakdown or if someone's broken up with you or if there's a major life event, we don't really talk about mental health. But now with this whole lockdown and COVID, we we call each other and we just ask, how are you? And we, we mean it and we want to talk about the mental health side of things. And it's something that happens in nearly every conversation is a proper checkup on each other. How are we doing? Which which never happened before when there wasn't a major event going on. So I think I think that's massive progress. Um, but I also find with the being stuck at home, um, we've learned how to take care of ourselves a lot more. I remember um, in the past, whenever I was struggling, people would tell me, oh, take care of yourself, um, do self-care. And I was just like, what does that mean? Um, and now with lockdown, um, I just I find that whenever I'm like stressed or whatever, I'm like, OK, just take a break, go do some baking therapy that we talked about in some previous episodes um, or just look after your house properly, look after your partner, um, you look after the garden, you call up family all the time. And I think we're just taking care of, of our bubble a lot more than we were before self-care has been i've seen it a lot on various social media platforms about how we can do that better i think everyone was living life at a million miles an hour before this all happened or at least a lot of people were and it sort of made us realize actually i need to take the time for myself and the people i really care about to to invest that time now and the benefits it has for me and my mindset are really important that's been a really interesting discussion and we've kind of spoken about the the downs of what's been happening and the anxiety that's come out of this whole COVID and lockdown and furlough. But also we've spoken about the positives that hopefully the green shoots are coming through now. And there is, I think, a vast sea of opportunity for a lot of individuals. Um, It's sort of how we embrace that going forward and also how companies and the industry react to that some great points raised about needing to be sort of mentally prepared for those coming off furlough and the support that can be provided also about you know the boom and bust through the construction industry so great discussion and thank you thank you martin very much for joining us it was great to have your input um is there anything you'd like to add particularly i'm wondering about your role as a volunteer for building mental health and what they do Well, first thing is thanks for the opportunity. It's been a great conversation and I've been fascinated to hear the insights of people uh, who who are in a different place to me. Um, um, And and that will cause me to be mindful. I'm I'm also really, really pleased that um, this is taking place. Just the fact that this group exists uh, and there's a podcast that people can listen to um, and the fact that you know, I've learned today that people are checking in means that we've come such a long way. Building mental health was a, uh, an idea I've been working with, with with some some volunteers for some time, and we, we got going in uh, July 2017, and we've now got over 500 organisations have signed the charter, um, and the charter says we're going to do four things. We're going to educate and raise awareness with with everybody in in our teams and in our companies Um, we're going to train some people who can be champions and be there in the workplace and support us and also train some mental health first aiders and what's really important is 
we're going to recognise other people's efforts in in that raising of awareness and providing support and not say we do it this way you'll have to do it again which is an error we've often made with the workforce uh, you know the construction sector and the built environment sector share the same workforce and if we're all doing something uh, we've got a chance of reaching our numbers of people which is in excess of two million and all of those two million um, either have had or have got brothers and sisters, children, parents, uh, family, uh, friends, neighbours. So the potential reach, um, if we can educate and raise awareness and make it okay to check in on each other, is, is much wider than the people who work in construction. So building mental health points people to a number of different options, buildingmentalhealth.net. Um, you can't buy anything from it. It's a, it's a framework of people who want to do something similar, which is improve the mental health and well-being of our workforce and provide support for anybody and everybody who works alongside us. Great. It sounds sounds like you're doing a very good job there and hopefully reaching out to so many individuals that you mentioned. It's actually quite powerful, the, the networks that we all have between not only those in the industry, but outside it, our friends and family. Um, so that's brilliant and we'll put also a link to the website on our podcast notes for our listeners so thank you very much thank you to Sophie for new member of the team as well coming on today and Louise and to all our listeners please remember to rate review and subscribe and you can email us at constructingmindsets at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments so thank you very much for listening